that we had a space up on the third floor, but it really wasn't all that well built out as a courtroom at the time. We needed a second courtroom. And so it was decided at that point to finish uh, building out a new courtroom on the third floor and to name it for Lynn Wood. So all of those terms were worked out and as new lawyers that you all are going to be, a contract was signed to those terms. That he would make a gift of a million dollars, that was his consideration, and the law school would name a courtroom for him. And that was the exchange that the law school made for his consideration. So you've all had contracts now, that's the most basic form of a contract. Somebody gives something, somebody gets something. There's two sides to a contract. Both sides for the last five years have lived up to the terms of that contract. Uh, there are lots of cases around the country where uh, these types of agreements have been challenged and they have most frequently been upheld by courts as binding agreements. Very simple kind of agreements, but binding agreements nevertheless. So that's first thing I want you to know is that the way the courtroom came about was not that somebody one day decided, hey, Lynn Wood is a very successful defamation lawyer. Let's honor him. Let's put his name on the courtroom that we could just decide tomorrow to take it off. Uh, it's much more complicated because we actually have a binding agreement that contains terms that we would have to be breaking an agreement uh, if we decide to take his name off because he has lived up to his terms of the agreement. That agreement did not contain any terms that some schools put into donor agreements that say, for example, we'll keep your name on there for 10 years or we will, or some term. Uh, we will keep your name on there unless you commit some conduct or offense we deem uh, inappropriate or inconsistent with the mission and vision of this uh, institution. That sometimes those are called morals clauses or uh, conduct unbecoming type language. So we're having a little contract drafting uh, session here and there was no provision put into this contract that gave the university an out that said, we'll name this courtroom for you as long as we think you're doing good things or as long as we like what you're doing or as long as we think you're a reputable lawyer. There was no language in there whatsoever like that. So it was just a very simple cut and dried agreement. You give money to the law school, use it any way you want to, and the law school will name a courtroom for you. So those are the first considerations that have obviously been under consideration by the president. Uh, those kind of agreements get signed by the president of the university and the donor. Uh, they don't even get signed by the dean or by Ms. Leslie Cadle, who was our fundraiser. Um, those get signed by the president of the university. And so this decision to do anything with respect to the name of the, the courtroom is not a decision for me to make. 
Uh, it's not a decision for the faculty to, to vote on or, or make. It's not a decision for the student body uh, to make. It is a decision for the president and, based on a conversation I had yesterday with the president, for the trustees of the university. Because, as President Underwood said to me yesterday, this university has been around for 188 years, and we've never taken the name of any person off of a building after we named it for them. And so he believes, and the way he is approaching this, is that the university trustees need to have a discussion about this and decide from a policy perspective, are they going to come up with a policy that would authorize him uh, to take names off of a building after their name for somebody and under what circumstances would the university do that? Um, so he, uh, at this point, not ready to go make that decision at all because he has not yet had a meeting with the trustees. Uh, throughout the fall, we have been discussing the situation. Um, I have been monitoring uh, Lynn Wood's Twitter account for probably since I've been here uh, because I've known Lynn Wood for probably 25 years uh, at least. My husband has probably known him for 40 years. They've had cases together and against each other and have been friends for uh, all of those years. Um, I actually hired Lynn Wood to represent me when I was Secretary of State because I had to uh, deal with an organization in the state that was defaming me uh, because I had fired one of my employees in the Secretary of State and they were mad about it. And so they took out after me and started writing things about me that were false. And so I had to hire a, a defamation lawyer and I thought Lynn was the best there was. And so I hired him to represent me to get those people to sort of cease and desist. And, you know, he got their attention, um, needless to say. I think he's, a, he's been a great lawyer, uh, a very successful lawyer, and, and I would think anybody pretty much would say one of the very most successful defamation and libel lawyers in the country. Um, and because I have known him for so long, uh, uh, and I have watched his Twitter feed, and over the three and a half years that I've been here at Mercer, and he was one of the first people to congratulate me when I got the dean's job. He was so happy I was coming here. Um, over the last three and a half years, he sent me texts, you know, about random things he's doing. I go and visit with him about these gifts that he's making. Um, you know, I've, I've kept in fairly close uh, contact with him. Um, but I have observed noticeable changes in his uh, um, conduct and behavior uh, over the last year uh, that concerned me, that concerned me for his wellness, uh, that concerned me for his health, because what I have observed is not what I believe to be characteristic of him, uh, his personality, uh, his, his quality of legal work, um, all of these things really concern me about what is going on with him. Um, and I'm, I'm no psychologist or psychiatrist, uh, 
Um, but it is, it is really troubling to me to see the, the significant sort of downturn. Uh, his Twitter account went from the summer uh, of, you know, really just a, a supercharged uh, Trump supporter, which he has been uh, since 2016. I, I had lots of discussions with him in 2016 because he was a Trump supporter then. Uh, he did not like Hillary Clinton. Um, I had lots of arguments with him about that. So he was not just a, you know, come to the party lately Trump supporter, as some people have tried to make him out to be. He, he supported Trump very strongly since 2016. But since the summer of this past summer, his Twitter account just went from that, the, the supercharged Trump supporter to the angry Trump supporter to the insane to the, the violent uh, tweets. And, and I've never seen things like that uh, come out of him before. And to now have had, as many of you may know, uh, a court in Delaware has revoked his Prohac Vici designation. You have to get admitted to practice in another state. Courts have to approve you and a court revoked that so that he cannot represent a client in that state. Uh, and the court reamed him for his uh, um, erratic work in other states, post on social media, and his, quote, shoddy legal work. And, you know, a quality lawyer would be probably, in my view, so embarrassed by that that they would probably go under a rock to try to repair their reputation. And it shocked me that he didn't do that, that he, you know, sort of argued back with the judge and like, hey, what's wrong? Uh, made a typo here and there. And it certainly was not a typo here and there. Um, he's got sanctions motions pending against him in Maryland, I mean, in uh, Michigan. Um, and he has now put out in the social media stream, whatever platform he's on now, that he claims that the state bar of Georgia uh, may be about to take disciplinary action against him. Um, so, you know, this is all extremely troubling as to what is going on with him. So there is that issue, and President Underwood and I have talked about what kind of issue is going on with him there. Uh, he's had not the closest relationship with his children over the years. And so I don't know whether uh, his family is not able to get him to some help uh, or into a situation of better wellness. I don't have any knowledge about what's going on there, but I'm concerned about that. Um, and so I had not heard from him um, at all since October, um, whereas I used to get texts from him every month or two until yesterday. And uh, he sent me texts yesterday that were pretty mad. He had heard from somebody that we were thinking about taking his name off the courtroom and he was pretty angry about it. Um, and he reminded me, you know, that he stood up for me when people were defaming me. and. You know, I'm glad he, he texted me because it gave me the opportunity to say, hey, you know, my husband Mark and I are really worried about you, and I'm glad to hear from you. And 
yes, we are getting a lot of concerned uh, alumni, students, and faculty about what is going on with you. Um, but no decision has been made. And the president says he is going to be thoughtful and patient in trying to make this decision. Um, and so, you know, he, he went back and forth with me a little bit and I think calmed down when, when I you know, told him that I, no decision had been made and that I'm concerned about him and that kind of thing. Dean Cox? Yes. Dean Cox, you're not accurately portraying the text messages that I sent you. Oh, Lynn's on the call. I am on the call, and I am embarrassed for the profession of law that you're practicing right now. Okay. Well, please you did speak not, to us. You, you did not come to me and ask me at any time over the past year, expressed to me any concerns about me, you're taking what has been used as propaganda to attack me without even giving me the courtesy of due process. I want your students to keep in mind the following. I have exercised my right of free speech. Some people believe in Trump, some people don't. I hope we all believe in the right of free speech. I have also actively sought as a lawyer to pursue evidence, overwhelming evidence of what I believe was election fraud, both in the state of Georgia and across the nation. I've been joined in that investigation with a number of very skilled and professional lawyers. I've also been joined in that investigation with General Michael Flynn, who served his country for 30 years. He's a fine man. The only other thing I've done is that I have been uh, privy to receiving information which I investigated for credibility that would show some very dark corruption in high-ranking members of our government. I would think it is a lawyer's duty when presented with that information and deemed credible to bring it to the public's attention. I've also brought it to the attention of the Secret Service. I personally resent your comments about my mental health. I have been to my physician on a regular basis and my mental health is sound. What did change with my children and what has changed with some people's attitude toward me is that two and a half years ago, I, as I say, it got tapped on the shoulder by God and I became a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ. Some people uh, don't like that. Some people think that when you follow Jesus, you're crazy. They even call Jesus crazy. So, I'll remind everyone here and then I'll be quiet. Back in the days of Jesus, he threatened the power of Caesar because millions of people were following him. Caesar had him brought up on a false charge of blasphemy for Caesar's agenda. And on that one agenda, they whipped the crowd into a frenzy. And people said, he's crazy. He's guilty. Let's kill him. They did. But in the process of that frenzy, they overlooked the body of his life's work. 
that he had healed millions of people, that he had performed more miracles, and as the disciple John said, there wasn't enough paper to record them all. So when you now attack me, because I may not be on the right side of your political views, I think you ought to stop and think about the body of my life's work. The Delaware judge, the home state of Joe Biden, sua sponte raised questions about pro hoc visi, and I responded and said I did not want to create a problem for Carter Page, who was my client, and I would be happy to simply withdraw my pro hoc request. The judge agreed. <clears throat> and then despite that agreement, which I made not because of wrongdoing, but because I did not want my interest to be ahead of the client's, I put Carter's interest ahead of mine, the judge nonetheless issued an order. And he pointed out in that order that I had had a lawsuit in Georgia, dis I, had ha I had had a lawsuit dismissed in Georgia and I, and, I, and I pointed out, and I pointed out to the judge that lawyers should not be disciplined for losing a motion to dismiss. I was the plaintiff. The, the, the second, the second, the second, the second issue the judge raised was that there were mistakes in pleadings in Michigan and Wisconsin. I was not a counsel of record in either of those cases. The city of Detroit intervened in the Michigan case and did so to bring sanctions against Sidney Powell and me and the other lawyers. I was not counsel of record. I didn't prepare the pleadings. I had told Sidney that she could use me in the case if she needed a trial lawyer. And I pointed out to the Delaware judge that for goodness sakes, if lawyers make mistakes, I don't think we want to set the standard of perfection that would allow lawyers to be penalized for that. I believe the Delaware ruling was political. The State Bar of Georgia has not moved to rescind my license. I've had two complaints filed, which I will be responding to in the next week to 10 days. In my view, they are frivolous and they are brought for political purposes to attack the messenger. You see, if you can't attack the message, you try to attack the messenger. My children and I have been alienated over the past year. I believe that as Jesus said, when they asked, do you come to unite us? He said, no, I came to divide you, father against son, son against father, five brothers and sisters, three against two, two against three. He came to divide us between believers and non-believers. My children, I do not believe from what they tell me, have formed a faith and belief in God yet, so we are divided. But if you saw the exchange of text and emails that I have sent to my children periodically, expressing my love for them, while they were concerned about my mental health, they haven't come to see me. They haven't come to check on me. Neither have you, Dean Cox. So, if you want to take my name off of the building or the courtroom, I told you in my email and in my text, and I'll be glad to read it because you characterize it as angry, and it was not. I have it in front of me. It was polite. 
I simply said, if you want to wash yourselves clean of me for the agenda at the moment, then you ought to make your hands completely clean and give me my money back. I don't want to see Mercer embroiled in this controversy, but your lawyers now and in the future have to be zealous. They have to pursue truth, even if truth is unpopular. They have to seek justice even if justice ends up being denied by a court or a jury. What you're doing in trying to now attack me is you're sending the wrong message to your law school students and to your profession. Don't take on the unpopular cause. Don't take on the controversial cause. Don't exercise your right to free speech. Don't pursue evidence that points to an illegal election. And don't ever reveal corruption at levels that include the vice president and the Supreme Court justice, chief justice. I am happy to provide to Mercer University a several hour interview from a former member of the Department of Homeland Security, a whistleblower, a man who had courage even over the threat of death to his wife and his family that documented everything I have said about Chief Justice Roberts, Vice President Pence, and many other people. Do you want me to send that to Mercer so that you can see the truth and evaluate yourself whether there is corruption in high places? You think my behavior in the past year has been odd? I disagree with you. My behavior in the last year has been in the finest traditions of the profession of law. It was only last January when I spoke at Mercer for two hours in a speech that was online and most everyone that's seen it said it stood for the highest principles of our profession. Subsequent to that time, I settled a case for Nicholas Salmon against CNN for an undisclosed amount of money. Subsequent to that time, I settled a case with the Washington Post for an undisclosed amount of money. And yet you tell me my law career has gone downhill I challenge you because you are not telling the truth. You have slandered me in this meeting. I'm ashamed that, that you would do that behind my back in front of the people that are my colleagues. I think you and Mercer University need to stop and think twice about what you're doing because I think that you are jeopardizing the integrity of your school and the integrity of our profession. They're what? They're, they're what? Everybody, please mute your microphone. I, I, I hope I, I hope I, Dean Cox, I hope I got my words in. I don't, I don't really have anything else to add to it. I think I've made my points, but I'm happy to answer any question that you have, or any question that any uh, student uh, in the school or, or faculty member has. In the past year, I have purchased three properties in South Carolina where I now am building a bed and breakfast, where I'm running an equine facility and a, and a rescue facility, a facility for rescue puppies. And you tell me my behavior has been inappropriate. I don't think you know the facts, but I think that you've allowed yourself to get caught up in the propaganda designed to attack the messenger because people either don't like 
the truth of my message or they disagree with my message. Everybody that wants to be a lawyer should support me and not demean me and try to make me something that I am not now and have not been over the 44 years of my law practice. I'm the same lawyer in person now that I was then. The only thing that's really changed has been my firm and growing faith in God. Mercy University should support that faith. It did when I went, was there as an undergraduate and as a law student. So I'm happy to answer any questions that y'all have. back at how the Patriots uh, spoke and conducted themselves in 1776? Sometimes you use rhetorical hyperbole, Braden. I, I did not, because I know the law of defamation, I did not call for the, for the assassination or the death of Vice President Pence. I made a comment that they opened the doors to the Capitol. I said, they're all traitors. Get the firing squads out. Pence first. Now, just in the past three months, our government has noted publicly that we still utilize firing squads. Treason has as one penalty a firing squad. I believe as a matter of opinion based on fact that Vice President Pence has committed treason. I have documented evidence that he also did that in 2017 with Rod Rosenstein. Treason is treason. For me to make the point of how strongly I felt about the fact that he was guilty of treason, I used rhetorical hyperbole suggesting not that somebody go out and shoot him, but that he be subject to the penalty that the law imposes for treason. I don't control firing squads, only, only the government does. So you've, I think you've looked at some of the things that have been said about that tweet, and you're influenced by the interpretations that others have placed on it. I have not been charged with any crime. I have met extensively with the Secret Service. There's no charge brought against me. I'm not a threat to anybody. I've lived in a life of nonviolence, and I have always said, and in my tweets, when I, found, when I set up hashtag Fight Back Foundation to protect the Constitution, because I felt like it was under attack and we needed to make sure we didn't lose it uh, now or in the future. I made it very clear that when I use the term fight back, it wasn't physical. I believe though, that in, in what Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. believed in, I believe in nonviolent civil disobedience. You won't find anything in my life where I've ever made any statement that could be construed to ask for violence on another person. That's not who I am, haven't been, and I'm not now. So, okay. let me say one more thing. You you said you said a, but you said another number. You said another. You said a, Well, I think you're talking to the person that's on trial. You ought to you ought to want to hear from me. No, I, I'm not saying how you should behave, 
But I remember there were some people that fought for our freedom against the King of England. I have, if Kathy has looked over my tweets, as she said she has, months ago, I said that I felt like we were in a color revolution as I watched the increasing censorship, which now has become almost complete censorship. I thought we were in a color revolution that was not designed to elect an official, but was in effect designed to overthrow our government. Now, if I see that happening... I'm stop you right there because, but can you just can, give me one second, please? Um, so this conversation today is about federal law school. This isn't really... It's about Lynn Wood. It's about Lynn Wood. Yes, sir, it is. It's not how Lynn Wood pertains to our law school. It's about my name and my reputation, which Kathy Cox has just besmirched with false statements about me. Well, it's about your name, yes, sir. It's about your reputation. It's also about your actions. My actions have been nonviolent and they have been consistent with the rule of law. I have advocated the rule of law and the Constitution all my life. I would appreciate if you gave me the I'm happy to do so. Let me kind of wrap it up here. Why do you want to wrap it up, Kathy? I'm just telling you the truth. Don't you want your students to hear the truth? I'm glad you joined us, Lynn, and I'm glad that you. Well, let me answer. I didn't mean to interrupt Braden, and I'm, I'm happy to let him finish, and I'll answer anybody's questions. I have nothing to hide. I have told the truth. When I have said that people are lying, that's been the truth, and I have documented evidence to support it. As you said, I'm a defamation lawyer. I don't make statements that are accusatory if I don't have proof of it, because I know what it does to people, and I wouldn't do that to someone else. I've seen it done to my clients. told you in my text, Kathy, I didn't want to create trouble for Mercer, and if y'all wanted to take my name off, I, 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 that was fine with me, that if you wanted to wash your hands of me, but I did say that if you want to wash your hands, that you ought to give me back the money I've given you that led to the courtroom contract being issued. I'm not here to get Mercer University embroiled in a controversy. I love the school. That's why I, I volunteered to give the school a million dollars. And nothing has changed about my feelings about the school. But what does hurt me, professionally and personally, that this conversation has been going on about me and nobody's bothered to call me or talk to me about it. Nobody's bothered to get my side. You're making statements about my mental health that are medically proven to be false, Kathy. You've omitted my faith in God and the reality that it does divide people sometimes, sadly, even families. But I could have shown you the numerous emails and texts that I have sent to my children. Now, I have made my point clear. This doesn't have to 
go on and, and get Mercer embroiled in controversy. Give me back the money I gave you and take my name off. But if down the road you find that what I have said turns out to be true, how are you going to feel? Well, certainly that's why the president has, in his discussions with me, has not at all wanted to take any kind of knee-jerk reaction. He, also being a lawyer, wants to understand what is going on, and this will be a ongoing, thoughtful, patient discussion that is not going to be made quickly. Well, the, the problem I have with that, Kathy, is that I listened to you and I recorded what you said about me. You didn't investigate it. You didn't have the courtesy to give me due process to explain my side of the story. And you made very serious accusations, including referring to me as insane. Now you should know better as a lawyer that if you're gonna make that type of factual statement, you need to have some hard evidence to support it other than the disagreement with the words I speak. Oh, I've got, I, I, I recorded, you said I've been acting in with it. I've got the recording, we don't have to fight about that. But I'm disappointed in you personally and professionally that you would engage in what amounts to be a back behind the scenes witch hunt without giving a person who is a lawyer to come and sit and talk with you and to answer your questions and to show you the evidence. Would you like to see and have me send to the president of Mercer the multi-hour interview of a legitimate whistleblower that talks about the level of pedophilia and even attempts to murder other Supreme Court justices and efforts to overthrow our government in 2017? Would you like for me to put that whistleblower's evidence in front of Mercer so that you can fully evaluate whether my accusations were baseless or whether they were in the finest tradition of a lawyer seeking to reveal corruption in government, albeit at the highest levels of government. Would you like for me to send it to you, Dean Cox? I'll be, I'll be happy to receive it. I will send it to you next week. And then you can expose it and maybe you will join me in demanding that there be an investigation into the actions of the vice president into the actions of Rod Rosenstein, Hillary Clinton, as they relate to Justice Scalia with respect to the adoption of children through Jeffrey Epstein. I've got the evidence, Dean Cox. I just don't think that people want to accept it as true because it is shocking. But the truth has to come out. As they say in the Bible, every lie will be revealed. So I'm happy to reveal that truth to the school and I'll send it next week. But as far as my name goes, as far as my name goes, I think you and I and the president should have a discussion so that I have a complete understanding of how the school, a law school, has handled this situation. And whether you believe in, the, in free speech, whether you believe in due process, whether you believe in fundamental fairness, because if you don't, I do not want my name associated with your school. I'll be happy to take it. I've told Dean Cox, give me back the 500000 I've paid so far. Take my name off. You've already hurt me. You've already hurt my reputation with these actions. You've already hurt my reputation in the comments you've made with people today. I'm happy to send you the evidence, including all of the filings that have been made on election fraud and these frivolous complaints against me that have been lodged, 
and to send you the whistleblower evidence. I'll send that to you next week, but you can end the misery now. Simply, we can have a meeting with me and you and the president, and y'all can agree to take my name off, refund the money I gave you. I tried to help you. Apparently, when I spoke out in a way that y'all didn't agree with, you didn't need my help anymore, and you didn't want my name anymore, and so let's just go back to square one, and then the controversy will be over, won't it? say something, son. I, I'm, I'm 68 years old, been practicing law 44, almost 44 years. But what I heard you say was you didn't like the way I acted. I, I, I don't know what you're comparing that to, that you would have done it differently. You know, we're a country where people have freedom. I did not advocate the murder of the vice president. You see, that's the misinterpretation. That's an interpretation that you've placed on my speech. It's, I've, I know exactly what I wrote. I'm, I, listen, I'm, I know exactly what I wrote. I believed when I wrote it, it was rhetorical hyperbole. Nobody would believe that I could command a firing squad. I was making a point that the, pres, the vice president was guilty of treason. And I'm telling you what you don't want to hear. I have hard, credible evidence to support my statement. Do you, do you want to see it before you jump to the conclusion that I'm wrong? Mr. Wood, Mr. Wood, you've had plenty of opportunities to present all of your accusations to federal courts across this country. I did, no, no, I didn't. No, no, wait a minute. No, I didn't. No, you listen to me for a second. No, wait a minute, son, no, wait a minute. You just made a statement. Let me just respond. I have filed two lawsuits with respect to Georgia. One of them was dismissed. One of them was dismissed for lack of standing. They did, those lawsuits were not about fraud. They were about an interpretation that says you can't change the law, the rules of, a, of a, a federal election held in a state except by the legislature. In Georgia, it was done by the Secretary of State in a consent agreement. I challenge those legally. Sidney Powell has filed a number of lawsuits regarding election fraud. I've seen the mass of evidence that supports it. It's also supported by the Office of the Director of National Intelligence. So, I told her I would sign on to those cases when she asked in case she needed a trial lawyer. In none of those cases has any court reviewed that evidence. They've thrown it out for reasons dealing with standing. Have you looked, have you, have you, you should look, now you listen, you listen to me please. I'm trying to be polite to you. Go watch, do you, let, let me just, well, you, now you didn't let me finish son. You didn't let me finish. Go watch the movie Killer Chains. Look at Judge Amy Totenberg's order from October of 2020, where she delineated all of the areas where the Dominion machines were susceptible to fraud and concluded in October of 2020, it's not a matter of if it will happen, it's a matter of when it will happen. It happened three weeks later. 
I know the facts, and I haven't said anything. Well, I'm, I'm being accused of filing frivolous lawsuits, and nobody looks at them and knows the facts. I'm still ready. I, I interrupted the young man, Kathy. Let, let him. I, I, I apologize, sir. Go ahead and to make your point. Let me say this to you. If Kathy goes back and looks at my Twitter page, and I believe I said it on Parlor too, I had serious concerns about our freedoms, our constitutional rights. And I said that I pledged my life, my fortune, and my sacred honor to my fellow citizens to make sure that we didn't lose our freedoms. If in the process so far I've... <laughs> I've had my life threatened by many people, serious threats. I've certainly taken a significant financial hit and my sacred honor has been basically destroyed. But if you go back, look at a Paul Harvey YouTube video of what happened to the signers of the Declaration of Independence who took the same pledge of their lives, their fortunes and their mutual and their sacred honors. Many of them lost their lives Many of them lost their uh, fortunes. Many of them lost their sacred honor. But because of what those men did in 1776, you, young man, breathe the fresh air of liberty every day. And you ought to applaud someone who has the willingness to put it all on the line so that you can continue and your children and your grandchildren can continue to, to breathe the fresh air of liberty because if you're not willing to put it all on the line, you're gonna lose it. Look at what's happening in this country right now. Then you ought to know that your duty is to defend, protect the Constitution of the United States and the people of the United States. And I, and, and that's, exact, that's, that's, exactly, that's exactly what I've tried to do. We just disagree right now on who the enemy is. That's our right as Americans. No, it did not. I didn't tweet that until I didn't tweet that until after that had already happened, young man. It didn't lead to it. It couldn't aggravate. You can't aggravate something by posting something hours after it happened. Oh, come on, are you serious? I didn't. I didn't ask anybody to go to Washington D.C. I didn't go myself. I didn't say anything to anybody about going anywhere up there and doing anything. I commented after the fact. You, you, I do think I understand how it works. When you say I instigated something, when I wrote something hours after it happened, I think you got it backwards. It's you, Sidney Powell, Rudy Giuliani, everyone who's spreading false information about this election. I'm happy to. I'm happy. I'm happy to send you all of the evidence that we have, and then when you've looked at it, 
Then tell me if you think we've been spreading false information. I disagree with you. I've seen the evidence. You haven't. Right. So go ahead and share that evidence with us. And, and I, I'm going to send, I'm going to send, I've tried to present it. Sydney's tried to present it in federal court and they won't let her. It wasn't in my two cases. My cases dealt with the law about the legislature only can set the requirements of a federal election in a state, not the secretary of state by consent agreement. The fraud cases have not been my cases. They've been, I've been offered to let Sydney use my name if she needed to. But in the two cases where we're being attacked, we weren't even of record. There's an agenda at work here. I know what it is. Attack the messenger. But I'm, Kathy, I'm on, if you text me, Kathy, and Kathy, if you'll text me and give me the addresses next week, I will deliver to you all of the evidence of election fraud all of the evidence related to these charges being made against me that are frivolous, and I'll send you the, this multi-hour tape of the whistleblower. I would recommend that everybody at Mercer Law School listen to that whistleblower's testimony, and then you judge me.